the opportunity was not there for us for blockbuster trade. The trade deadline, you know, like is is like this. Sometimes it's there's a lot of stuff, and sometimes there's um, sometimes there's nothing. Sometimes there's nothing, and that's starting what you with got. sad Masai, eh? That's what you got, folks. The saddest of Masais. We won't be sad because it's Friday and it's been a beautiful week on the Fan Morning Show. And we have one trade to little, continue to break down. A little bit of wasted energy on the Fan Morning Show oh, this week. Oh, I think everybody in Toronto had some wasted yeah, energy, yeah, yeah. some high hopes that came crumbling down into the Yakub Pertle journey. Yeah, we the that deadline the deadline was uh was completed. But like yesterday. jokingly yesterday when we came on the show, we we're like, Oh, the blockbuster of the year was Jacob Pardo. Jacob. And we thought, oh, well, they make we make a joke about that because that can't be it. I didn't actually think we would be able to come on here well, Friday morning and that be the only thing that happened for the Toronto Raptors. The commentary from us, and not just us, from everyone was like, oh, we can't evaluate the Jakob Pertle deal Until because Friday. we don't know what the corresponding move is to pair with the Jakob Pertle move. There was no corresponding move. In Said the corresponding move is none. Exactly. Zilch. So, yes, your Toronto Raptors kept us all guessing, kept the insiders, the basketball world, the... Everything runs through the Toronto Raptors was not ran. No. The race was not run. The players will be pulling on their shoes today to play with basically the same outlook as they did on Wednesday. I I will say, I will say, I, am I going to be positive? About the, no, I'm not. I'm, this isn't going to be overly positive, but I think we have to lay out the actual reality. Of course. Which is that the Raptors did get a lot better. Over the trade deadline, like if you they look around, better. if you look look around the league, like I don't know, you know, the percentage of how much better the, the Raptors got, but I feel like they would be in the top like echelon of percentages getting better. But again, this is in their context. I do they, not believe that well, statement. Th- well, listen, they traded a non-option, a non-option cannot be on the floor. Sure, Ken Birch cannot see the floor, or you get run over. Right, non-option <laughs> into a starter. Right. What other team can say they did that? That's, no, that's many, the bar right? for success. No, I'm just saying not many have done that. Not many have done that. Of course, the Kevin Durant thing, Mikhail to Kevin, Mikhail Bridges to Kevin Durant is a, is a massive leap. But in the own siloed context of the Toronto Raptors, non-option to starting center. Generally, that would be pretty good. However, the context of the Raptors is the most important thing and everything that the Pirtle deal means for this summer mm-hmm. and where the franchise is going in the middle ground that they still are in, despite improving with Jakob Pertl 100%. That's what makes it difficult. So I, as, as much as they did improve their team, I feel like they're one of the biggest losers on deadline day because they just kind of kept digging the hole that they've been digging for a couple of years now. And that's not a good thing. Putting the shovel down, I think, was the most important thing. And sure, a team may be in a different position in the standings or different aspirations or different players on timelines and different free agent pending options in the offseason and different media performance and different timelines and different Messiah jury and different et cetera might view this as somewhat of success. But they brought in, they are buying in a core of players once again, once again, that are mediocre and they punt their major decisions to be made into the offseason 
which is not the first time they've done such a thing. And they are going to try to win this season. Whatever that means, their goal is to add this big Jakob and see how things go. See if that's the missing fit for why this team was not able to be in the position that they had been previously and why they're not being successful is that now we get to see what this all looks like with Jakob Pertle. That's basically the underlying statement of the last month and the last couple of days. And here you go. Well, I'm glad you, glad you brought up the word mediocrity because I feel like this is what this organization is accepting. Like across the board, what isn't mediocre with the Raptors? Like they have a mediocre superstar, right? And Pascal Siakam. In these in the ecosystem in which superstars exist, if you want to choose a mediocre one, it'd probably be Pascal. Are we talking about a mediocre point guard with Fred Van Fleet when looking at the entire NBA landscape? Yeah, I think probably you are. You have meter, mediocre three-point shooting with Gary Trent leading the line there. Mediocre big comes in to try and fix a mediocre team. This is all just mediocre. And mediocre is not good enough. Mediocre gets you nowhere Mediocre means that you stay in the middle, and that's exactly where the Raptors are now, and they are just accepting more of that mushy middle. Now, we know something's got to happen, because you know who doesn't deal with mediocre? Those who cut checks. Mm-hmm. MLSE's not going to be like, hey, let's double down on mediocre. They're not going to be like, hey, we gotta, you have to pay Jakob Pertle, Gary Trent, and Fred. Let's go over the luxury tax to be the 18th best team in the NBA. Mediocre doesn't sell in boardrooms. But right now, Masai Ujiri is trying to sell mediocre on us. And I don't know how we got to this point. I refuse to believe that there wasn't a corresponding move and it just didn't happen for whatever reason, whether someone left him at the altar at the, at the <laughs> final moment, if someone pulled their offer, if he was asking for too much. I don't know why exactly we got to the point where Masai Ujiri was once again gun shy. But it, it didn't happen, and I think it was supposed to happen, and that's why we saw sort of the weird... Deflated. The, like, deflated. De- deflated. Sorrow, almost. Like, he was sad. Depleted and deflated combined. Everything. And it was all those things, right? So I, I, I feel like that's why we got that reaction, is that something was supposed to happen, and for whatever reason, it didn't. And now the problem is exacerbated, and the questions are only more intense. So... We have a lot to break down in terms of the post. So we know what happened with the trade deadline. Like that, you don't have to break much down there. We did that yesterday. But we have a lot to break down with Masai's post wrap-up conference. And I think that was obviously the most telling opportunity that we have as broadcasters and as fans to figure out where this team is going. The last X amount of months, it has felt like a murky vision. And that is exactly how it feels once again. Your question, and I think a great question that we can open up, and I would love to get the pulse of the Raptors. And you know what? Yesterday I was a bit more frustrated. Like after the trade deadline ended and I watched the clock tick to three, I thought, Are this, what? Like I felt really frustrated and, and even a little bit angry. And I think that's just because in context, obviously everything was going to run through the Toronto Raptors. And maybe we... We drank some of the Kool-Aid, and that's fine. Like, that's what you do when you're in a media market like this, and you want your team to be successful. Like, we had high aspirations for this trade deadline. So initially, the response was like, this this is really upsetting. And I think now, what, 12 hours plus later, 
it's just disappointing. And I, that's the worst thing if like a parent can tell you, like, I'm just disappointed, but that's how I feel this morning. And I just want to open it up to the text line five, nine, five, nine. I've had some time to like decompress and think about this. And we will have to flip the script at the end of the show and talk about the Raptors not trying to win games. And like, mm-hmm. that's going to be the weirdest transition ever. Hey, now they, they pl- have to. Yeah, they play tonight against the Utah Jazz. And let's see what this team's all about. Let's get excited to see this next iteration of the Raptors with Jakob Pearl. And can they do something? I'm not ready to go there yet. I think we have two and a half hours maybe until I'm ready to flip the script and look at the next future for the Raptors. But of course, 595.90, we're breaking it down. How are you feeling? Like, the big question here is, do we still trust Masai? Look, let's quickly, uh, we'll answer that, and I want people to answer that while just laying out the realities here. So Raptors turn out to be buyers. They explain why they were buyers. They want to see this team with the big they've been without. Now that begs the question, okay, what took you so long to bring this big in? But in order to bring in the big, you have to make, and this is why you felt, I think, angry, disappointed, because it's it's sloppy and it's, in order to have this big, you have to make concessions moving forward. Those concessions are hurting this year's draft selection, mm-hmm. taking away next year's draft selection, and being forced to pay into the luxury in order to keep what you have. So that's the reality for the for the Raptors. They want to see this with this big, but it's going to cost you and and hurt the prospects of future success in order to see this experiment on a team that is below 500, likely not to go into the playoffs without playing in the play-in and winning in the play-in. And that's where we are. Now there's major pressure on this season. Now there's major pressure this summer because they failed to pull the trigger and they decided to to add rather than to sell the that's deadline. Right. Now I think the biggest question is Masai after this. Like what just happened there? Do we trust in Masai? Do we still think he's not the right person for this job, but if he's performing still at a very high level? Because we saw all these other teams not make excuses. We saw more movement than I could even really comprehend in the moment, and I'm kind of ignoring everything else, right? Great day to be a second round pick, eh? I think it was a, I think it was a bad deal. It's like you, you, like if you're a future second round pick, well, they clearly don't value me after what we saw in the 2023 trade. <laughs> You've been deadline. ripped around all day. Everyone's yesterday. just trading a multitude of, of second round picks for nothing. Um, but that's besides the point. I'm trying to like trying to not really consider anything else because I'm just zeroed in on, okay, five minutes left. Something's got to happen. Five minutes left. Who are the big names? Where are we going to see something? And it doesn't happen. And I think we have to ask why it didn't happen. And we have to ask and question the Masai Ujiri process because clearly something isn't functioning the way it should, right? Correct. Because if it was functioning the way it should, out of the 15 teams reportedly that had offers for OG. You couldn't find one that was the right fit. We had talked about how Fred was most likely to be found a trade partner. Nothing happened. Gary Trent Jr. is a young, hot stud that people wanted on their team at some point. It feels like Gary was never an option. Well, this is just the last month. Like if someone just threw something at him, it just felt like yesterday Gary wasn't a part of it. The comment that we played the top KFC of the show. Oh, yeah, KFC now. Uh, the comment we played on the top of the show, I know maybe like it's a buzzword, but there was no blockbuster trade out there. But there was no trade out there. None. Like, it doesn't have to be blockbuster. We didn't need to get KD, but we could have got something. So when you ask, do you trust Messiah? I, I think that that, for me, is gone. Like, and, and maybe that has to do with the idea coming into this trade deadline. But it's hard to distance that from how you feel left with with one move when other teams found a way to get better or to not get better this year, but to 
seriously consider what getting better in the next two, three years looks like. Like you're stuck in the middle once again. And that is the last thing that we wanted this whole time was to make no moves forward, no moves backwards. Okay, one move forward with Jakobertel. Let's give him his flowers. But that's not enough to elevate. What is that now? Your ceiling is the first round? Why are we now settling to be good enough to make it to the first round? Yeah, and that's not what he was all about, when right? Are you, yes, and he did backtrack on, on that. I want to play that clip in a second. But you held firm on your asking prices. And, and maybe that is something that we, we'll look back on. And that's another part of this. The trade deadline is done, but the offseason will be very instructive, of course. But you held firm on your asking prices so much so that you didn't find any dance partners. And mm-hmm. that might be a really positive thing come the summer if you find a blockbuster that he's mentioned wasn't here yesterday. But I feel less and less confident of that being the case. And I also feel like if we came on this morning and, and there was a trade that we were, that was that's all you got, we'd also be obviously ripping that apart. But you didn't do anything, and you said you're going to punt these very important decisions to the offseason, which you don't have the money to do all three. You have three free agents. So something's got to give, and we have to wait now for the experiment that could have happened last year, the year before, the year before, to see where this team goes. What My question to you before we answer all these other, there's too much going on here. Let's say the Raptors um, play better now. Um, they, they find a way to be a top six team in the East with Jakob Pertl. Is that now good enough? That a you're top go- six team? Okay. If everything goes swimmingly. Okay. And they have this great run here and they find a way into the play in the playoffs, whatever. It's not out of the question. Is that going to be, is that good enough now? Like you got Jakob Pertle, you get to see this experiment. Everyone starts playing better. Everyone I mean, starts it- playing for each other. Now you just buy into these guys again. You're going to f- sign Fred Van Vliet for $30 million and you found your fix. It might be good enough to convince the board that, hey, I'm onto something if you're Masai. And that might be why he was almost like pleading his team to play better. And that was in the, a very in the strange conference. thing to say as well. I... I I think they understand and they're trying to sell and spin it on us. I of think, course. Like that's like it's a media. It's not going to be like, we really screwed up. Yeah. Guys. I mean, <laughs> I, I think I, I definitely believe there was another move. I definitely believe that they knew they had to do something or that it was imperative that they did something. And now they're just hoping it doesn't cost them because they weren't comfortable for whatever reason, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I do think the most like, okay, the trust Messiah thing. I think the secondary question branching off of that is why the deal is never out there for him. Cause it's a pattern, right? It's like he gets to that point where it seems like something has to happen. Something will happen for sure. Kyle Lowry said his goodbyes and was there (laughs) the next day. This is very much shades of that trade deadline. And then this deadline this week, it's everything runs through the Raptors and nothing happens. It's because they value their... Their is players that, is that what it is? is higher that, is than that what you think? Okay, let's let's quickly look at the two options for it. One is like, okay, what was actually out there for these players? And some of that we actually know. We don't have to speculate. Fred, we believe a, a late first round draft pick would have been the return for Fred. Would you have done that? Just that? It's hard to do, right? See, was there no your, player in Your initial, the, like I, the Clippers balked apparently at a first in man. That's a late first, which is not like a premium asset by any means. Mm-hmm. And Terrence Mann. Like I'm, I had that same reaction. I was like, did I? Do we really? Do we love that? Like I'm not pumped about it now. If we're if we're not completely selling off every part on this car, then it's not great. And I can understand why Masai Ujiri would be like. Eh. And that's why I said we'd come on this morning, and be like, that's it. That's all exactly. you got for Fred. 
So the OG one, apparently 15 teams are involved. Now, if 15 teams are involved in one player, it's kind of hard to believe that a decent trade package wouldn't be out there. And that they don't bid against each other? Exactly. (laughs) And apparently the Memphis Grizzlies had three first-round picks on the table. The Raptors wanted a player in return, someone coming with either those picks or two picks and a player. I think that's the one we can question. I think the Fred one is fair if it is that. If it's just that, Mm -hmm. it's like, ugh, that's not great. But three first-round picks, again, these could be, if it's the Grizzlies, and I think that was reported, three first-round picks for the Grizzlies, they're late first-round picks, and 2024 is not that great, and you're not going to get into the good part of 2023, and you're kind of like, okay, I can see why maybe that's not all that appealing as well, even though I probably would have done that if I'm a because I know OG doesn't seem to be all that happy, and I know I can't pay all these guys this summer. So I feel like that's that's one you can criticize. But... I think there are Maasai problems here as well. I think, well, we said the word gunshy a million times. I think there's a lot of different reasons for why the deal is never there for him and him specifically. Is he a perfectionist? Perhaps. Is he too attached to his players, which you mentioned? I think that's very possible. Uh, is there maybe a misguided belief that there is going to be a better deal down the road that he can make, he can build the value of these players? I think that's really short-sighted and misguided, but perhaps that's there. And then you have the ultimate apologist take if you're a Raptors fan, which is that rival teams are scared to do business with Masai Ujiri because they think they're going to get fleeced. I heard that and no saw that way. floating around on Twitter a little bit yesterday. That's that. Wh- when has he fleeced somebody? Well, Kawhi Leonard was okay. <laughs> yeah, pretty big fleecing. That's it. Uh, Bargnani, he, tor- he tormented the Knicks for so a little while. So people are scared there. of that. Uh, I, th- that was well. I'm just saying that's no, no, one no, of the, that's one of the Raptors just... apologist takes, which is, Yikes. hey, no one really wants to deal with Masai because Masai is so good. But I, I mean, if you're believing that, you are just drinking every no. ounce of the Kool Aid that the Raptors will serve you, right? So I think you have to try to figure out why the deal is not there for Masai. I think part of the reason is that the values were certainly inflated, and we got ahead of ourselves we got way over on on our skis a little bit but then you also look around the league and like a lot of players went for a lot of appealing prices everywhere like it was a problem for no one if you weren't a raptors fan it was a great nba exactly it was, it was awesome the prices and the values and the conversations all that stuff there was no resistance to anything else going on but major resistance for everything at that some came point through. you need to just you just need to Push it in the t- push your chips in, and I think the only explanation I think he like may have may have pointed to it a little bit. And he's like, oh, it's really quiet until three p.m. and then everything gets really frantic. I'm like, there shouldn't have been waiting till three p.m. with this, right? Like, if it, this is a big moment for the Raptors. This was a big chance to sort of reset to make something actually meaningful happen. And if you were waiting till three, and then the Grizzlies called you and be like, yeah, guess what? It's only two first round picks. Yeah, you're gonna say no because you got played at the table. You got dominated at the table. I will say most of the trades happened in that last 30 minutes anyway. Yeah, and, th- and that's, that's, that's the kinda reality. That's kind of how it works. But you kind of like, hey, we'll, we'll do this. We just want to make some more calls. Then you make those more calls. You call back and be like, all right, let's do it. We're ready. That didn't happen for whatever reason. So something's wrong with the process, it seems, with Masai Ujiri because he didn't look happy that he didn't make a deal, which means, and, or at least tells me, that he wanted to, and for whatever reason, it did not work out. And I think, based on his body language and his demeanor, that was on him. Also, why is it Maasai? What, what, so this is a text line is like, Bobby where at? is Bobby Webster in all this? And I completely agree. And, and, that's, and in our conversations as well, we need to start mentioning Bobby Webster as well. It's easy because Maasai I don't was, even know if we have to. But 
Why not? Because it's still it's still Masai's team. It's like so. It's so Bobby Webster right? just gets to float under the radar until it's something fun to talk about. Well, here's one more theory that I have. It can be hard to make decisions as a group, right? Yeah. You and I are talking about something last night. What to do with the last block of the show? We have maybe a slight disagreement on it, and we don't you really disagree. I'm just making it up. We have a slight disagreement on it. And we have to find a middle ground. Yeah, But sure. it takes a little while. And maybe one of us concedes because it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But when it is a big deal, when it's something really, really important, I mean, I think we know that Masai Ujiri holds the gavel. Like, whatever he wants ultimately well, a is team, in a, the end. Any team needs a leader. But if they're kind of s- struggling with decisions with themselves just a little bit, I think it could slow you down. And any minute wasted, at least with this group right now, is significant. Because they seem to run out of time. They seem to have an excuse every single time they're pushed into this corner mm-hmm. or they have some sort of decision that has to be made. There's a reason why every other NBA team can make deals and the Raptors can't. We just don't know exactly what that is. But we have to look at Masai if we're starting or, and we're trying to look for someone to, to hang culpability on. Let's play a couple of these clips that we're talking about to get some reference. Um, the biggest thing was, one of the biggest things heading into yesterday was, what are you going to do with these pending free agents? Because that is a legitimate issue. It's not even, oh, what, where's this team going right now? It's if you don't sign Fred and Gary right now, you're either saying that you can find a way to sign them in the offseason or you're going to sign a trade or you're going to lose them for nothing. And that was a question that was left unanswered, obviously. And Messiah mentioned that any of the decisions that could have happened at the trade deadline can happen in the off season. Mm-hmm. And now a lot of that is obviously OG related too, because he's not a, a free agent, but I just think it's an interesting comment to say, and that was one of the first things he said when asked yeah. by the reporters about, well, what are you going to do with all this stuff? I, I tend to agree on the Fred side. I think you could get a late first round pick for Fred in the summer. It is still risky though, because in the summer, everyone's in a different position. And he even mentioned that he's like, there's 29 losers in the summer and one winner. Mm-hmm. Right, so people are in a different boat, but that also people are less desperate. Yeah, it's I, I you can, have all I off season to figure it out. I think that's crap. Okay, I want to play this clip. Messiah um, on the team growth and why decisions can wait until the summer. The way I look at the deadline, um, it's it's really um, not a great place to make long term decisions, and that's that's how um, one of the ways we looked at it. Um, in terms of some of the things we were getting. Growth is not linear, so we've had like really like a, a, a bumpy road. And that's what you expect sometimes with a young team. And we have a young team, and I think players have made progress individually, but as a team, it's been, it's been up and down. There's a level of impatience now with how we think about things and do things. And um, hopefully we can have a little bit of patience, but everything that we could have done um, today, maybe we can do in the summer. Because I think at the end of the day, uh, in the summer, there's 29 losers and one winner. So there's 29 teams looking to do more. Let's unpack there. 
you wrote down, it's a great place to maximize assets on outgoing players. Okay, so he says it's he says it's a, it's not a great time to make long term to make long term decisions. decisions. Yeah, if you're buying, if you're selling, it's the perfect time because, because there's... your long term decision in summer might be that you don't have. Fred Van Vliet anymore, or Gary Trent Jr. Well, teams don't have, I, I even th- just in general, I think teams don't have the context, or teams have the context during the season of how this season is actually playing out. Mm-hmm. If you are the Grizzlies, if you are the Pelicans, if you are the Golden State Warriors, you may convince yourself, even with Kevin Durant and Phoenix, that this is your year. If you add something, you have a chance to go on a run. If you have that conversation with the Grizzlies in the summer, they're gonna be like, "Oh, let's see, let's wait yeah. and see, let's see what we got. Let's we need to we have we need to have a better idea let's of look at the, what let's our look team through the needs. draft too. Let's and, harvest some players and their their team. Okay, maybe the perfect acquisition for Memphis is OG Ananobi. Like they can they OG can take them to new heights. But in the summer, it's that different. team changes a little mm-hmm. bit. Maybe they address some of the OG issues with another player that fills multiple buckets for them, and all of a sudden the need isn't there with OG Ananobi. In in terms of, I guess we should we should stay on the maximizing assets. This is the max. This is the time if you are a seller to maximize the return on an outgoing player. One hundred percent. What he said is just wrong. Mm-hmm. It is wrong, wrong. And the maybe we can do it in the summer thing. I agree with Fred. I don't agree with OG. You took away one year of service on OG at a good price. From the team that is going to acquire him eventually. Someone's going to acquire OG Ananobi eventually. They got one less playoff run because they didn't do it yesterday. That's the facts. Maybe we can do it in the summer. There's no chance you do it in the summer. OG is a diminishing asset from from yesterday to today. His value diminished from yesterday to, to today. And the Raptors can't spin that any other way. It's just facts. Another thing that Masai leaned into a lot yesterday and if you had made a drinking game about every time that Masai said the word patience you took a shot you would be in the hospital (laughs) because he said that quite a lot Mm -hmm. and I get it because he is one to preach patience and act on patience 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 but when does patience become misguided preaching depleting is what it felt like when does that become misguided right and this is now another year of patience because you're going to trust that Jakob Pertle will take this team to new heights. And he might. Like, he is a, a, a player that you needed to fill a void. That's great. But once again, and, and patience for what? And ne- neither of us would be surprised. They get into play in, go to the playoffs, play in a first-round series, likely lose. And what are we being patient for? Because you're not taking steps at this point to beat the top of the top in your division. I want to play Masai's clip talking... <laughs> about patience being the thing for the Raptors. Patience is our thing. And I know people don't like it as much sometimes, you know, like, but as a basketball person, you're going to be frustrated with what happens on the court every day. You know, that, that's, that's, a, that's a natural. That's, that's when, when you're not winning and um, we're not playing very well. There are many things that, you know, um, we're going to criticize or pinpoint. Um, that's just natural. But on the overall, you know, um, patience is just, um, I think, what we need a lot of times um, with this kind of young team and young players. I don't think the Raptors are very young. 
I think they have some young players, but do you think that they're a young team? Not overly young, no. I, I mean, I, I think uh, I think Scotty the most Barnes is young. the most important assets on the team. I think are young. Uh, I think they're young enough. But I keep going back to the we had a conversation with Tim Bontemps what a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. where he said it's impossible to stay on top of the NBA forever. Like Golden State yep. Warriors are the exception to that rule, because the, the league is designed to have teams wither away over time, because it's hard with the salary cap. It's hard with the importance of drafting to stay on top. And it looks like the Raptors, and they got, they've had some great moments in that decade where they were on top, where they were top adjacent. Great moments. You win a title. You have all these, you have runs, you have disappointment, you have heartbreak, you have great successes. You have a lot of awesome moments from these 10 years. But they are withering away like you're supposed to. And it's like, okay, patience Patience while you wither away. It's, it's it, this is a flawed team that is reaching its breaking point in terms of the financial dynamic, and if you can't see that, then and you're pleading for patience, you're just setting everyone up for failure because it's going to come at a cost. Despite even if you keep it together, best case scenario, this team plays it's at the top of its uh, performance range at key moments. It's still not enough. So if you can't see that, and maybe the objective isn't to get back there. Maybe the objective is to go to multiple playoff rounds and sell seats in the playoffs. Maybe that's part of the objective. I don't really know. But in order to get back to the top, you have to get to the bottom first. And they are sliding down that hill, which the NBA has designed for all teams. And I I, I don't know what the patience is about because... Yeah, we, we'd love to see some development. We'd love to see timelines merge. But that's just not the reality in the NBA. And Masai doesn't want to see that for whatever reason. So another thing that he mentioned um, that wanted to play was not a shot at the players, but maybe one of the first times a, like a criticism of the play about being selfish or individualistic. And that's a big thing to come from Masai to say at a press conference. And I think a, a, a calculated move in a sense too, because now... You've added Yaka Pertle and you're coming to the court today to play. And how does that change, though? Like, if you said to your player, and I'll play the clip first, but your players have been playing selfish and individualistic at times. Well, some of them are playing for their futures. <laughs> some of them are playing for a contract. And we've talked about this. Like, this team doesn't seem like it meshes at times. Well, because there's a lot of big-term pictures that they're also playing for. Some have been told, hey, you're going out the door. So yep. why wouldn't you play for yourself to try to up your up your value and get to the best possible destination for yourself. You and cult- now today you're still cultiva- on this team. They cultivated mm-hmm. selfishness, a selfish environment where players had to fend for each other or themselves right. rather than each other. So let's play that clip. Um, and then how's that going to change starting tonight? Uh, I believe in the players. I believe in the coaching. I believe in the organization. I believe in them individually. I believe in their talent. Um, I think there are times in the season when um, we got a little bit too individual. I think uh, there are times in the uh, season when we went away from it. I I don't know that there was as much um, focus. I'm hoping it comes down, but uh, it comes uh, back. uh, And it, it seems like it has started to a little bit. But Again, I say 
um, growth is not linear and we it's going to be up and down with like young teams, young players. You've seen Scotty, you've seen Precious, you've seen uh, OG, Fred, Pascal, sometimes up and down. We, um, Gary, we, we have to, I think, make that assessment at the end of the season. So some rallying cry stuff, right? I think it's like, hey, please, well, he at this please point, help me forward. out here, right? Please help me out. We have been selfish. Now we can play together as a team. I finally got you that big. It took me three years or parts of three years, but I got you that big, guys. It's time to make something happen for me. Please help me out mm. after what happened at this deadline. I mean, he was really, really trying to push the, yeah, we got an opportunity here. And at this point, there's no other, there's no other recourse. It's now try to win, try to make something of the season, try to make something of the Jakob Pertl era or part two, which we expect to extend, but likely at the cost of someone else later on this summer. And part of that was, hey, he's like, major players have left the Eastern Conference. There's a chance for us. Kevin Durant's gone. We can take Brooklyn's spot. There's a lot of hopeful stuff there. There's a lot of messaging, I think, to the team, to Nick Nurse, to the group, just saying, we we got to make something of the season because uh, you kind of have to bail me out this moment. A couple texts in, and as we're, we'll take them all day at 590-590 about your thoughts one day or 12-plus hours removed from the trade deadline. Michael says, the Raptors aren't good enough to be a contender, but it would have taken too many moves to turn them into a lottery team. They're stuck in no man's land this season. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. You can take, like, you're stuck in no man's land, but you either choose to go further into the depths of it or you try to make your way out. They went further into the depths of it. Mike and Welland, as a sappy, not so very smart Homer sports fan, i.e. Leafs, <clears throat> I love the raps. So I'm going to cheer for the boys onto a playoff in and the fantasize of the Larry O'Brien. Lol. <laughs> That's a good positive look. Larry O'B will be a fantasy, but uh, uh, the Raptors are going to give you, they're going to give you two months to pay attention to. As I said off the top, they are better. Yep. Ken and they Birch have a little Jacob bit of an Pirtle easy schedule is, is here. a sizable upgrade. So go get them. And we'll finally get to see if, you know, this is what they've miss, been missing all along, which is someone who's seven feet and can protect the rim. Needed something before mediocre walks for nothing. That was after we are talking about mediocre this, mediocre mm-hmm. that. Um, Dana in Virgil. Yes, I'm disappointed, but don't y'all think management knows what they're doing? They could do no wrong when they were winning. He mentioned yesterday that we all don't know what goes on behind the scenes and what the intricacies are. We want winners like everybody else, but we're not in those offices making the decisions. Well, this is, I think we were talking about this yesterday. I think this is one of the problems is that Masai was put into this like elevated position where he's impossible to even nitpick, to criticize whatsoever. And now we're finally realizing, I think, well, this, this guy's human. This guy can make mistakes. This guy can find himself in a losing situation. And that's what's happening here, I think. This guy could walk on water before because of what he did and how starved this fan base was and how starved this city was for legitimate success. And for that reason, he'll live forever. But he's being tested in a way that he hadn't before. And I think we're realizing that, you know, he doesn't have the answer for everything. He didn't have the answer yesterday. That's, there's no way you can argue against that. He did not have the answer yesterday. 
I think I would have been more accepting of Masai's explanation if he had just said, well, Twitter was down, <laughs> JD and St. Catharines. That was a bit of a worried uh, moment the other yesterday. Mm-hmm. Twitter just stopped working the night before as well. I don't know if you well, saw that. I didn't know Twitter stopped working yesterday. Well, I think it, I guess it was the night before leading into yesterday. It was just like not loading. Well, I got the Pirtle deal done. <laughs> Um, anyway, five ninety five ninety. We'll take your text. We'll try to un- move on, I guess, from the trade deadline. But we do have um, Will Lou joining us at eight. They they had a tough two hour show there, breaking it down and then breaking down nothing. I didn't catch I, it. I didn't guys. catch enough of it, but I'm I would have loved to see Will's reaction as as three p.m. Well, and I'm not going to speak for him, but he did mention he used a really good analogy when he was. I thought you think it was put on the drive time show after the trade deadline it's like getting excited for christmas day and thinking you're going to get like a game boy or an xbox and opening up your present and it's a pair of socks this is what will said and he's like at first you're like i don't really want that but then you think well socks i guess are a useful thing for me and that's yakub purtle yeah and he said that and i thought i guess you're really right in that sense like you're going to use yakub purtle and it's useful for you in your but better. it wasn't you the glamorous, better. exciting thing that you wanted, like a Game Boy. Yeah. I mean, you're, in some ways you were supposed to give away the Game Boy, but you'll take the socks. Um, all right. So Gary Trent Jr. did stay put at the trade deadline and made his public appearance at the KFC court, which we talked about yesterday. Um, he was asked about, and you know, it's kind of nice that you can just like quickly grab a player right after the trade deadline and put them on the spot and ask them about it. But here's uh, Gary Trent Jr. on staying put at the deadline. My name been in trade rumors since I've been in the league, so it's nothing really you can focus on. You got to go out there, play your game again. Whatever's going to happen, it's going to happen. Play free mind and go play. You know, somebody's going to want you somewhere and go out there and play hard. But, you know, I'm glad. You know, we didn't do nothing. We're going to continue to build, continue to try to, you know, get this done. Is is keeping Gary uh, the most defensible thing? Yeah. Ujiri did? I think so. You need somebody to shoot the ball. I think so too. Oh, that well, that was my favorite. I mean, I laughed out loud when Masai was talking about how Meeting they can become shooting? a great three-point shooting team, and it's like internal development and stuff like like it's just like that. That's that's when it's just like, dude, you're kind of you're you're way off, right? Like you're way off. When- you, he's and he he's opened the door to like it, whether we find it or we can grow it internally. Like they're not even close in key aspects of the game. And that's the, I think that's the most frustrating thing is like you're trying to push this forward. You're trying to make this work, but you have these flaws that everyone can see. You finally address one of those flaws after two years, and it comes at a time where everyone's expecting you to do the opposite, which is to wave the white flag, resign to the fact that this isn't working. That's when you go out and get the thing that you've always wanted to see. All along, you've wanted to see Scotty paired with a Yakup Pertle type. Well, what took so long to get a Yakup Pertle type in? It's not like he's a unicorn. Mm-hmm. He's a seven-footer. That's going to help the team and someone you probably could have had years ago. I have one last one here that I wanted to play. So in terms of looking forward and how this team can be better for the next two months or so, Masai um, was asked about developing some of the players on the team. And that's going to have to be part of your process moving forward. But are, now you're also trying to balance winning. And you have a full starting lineup of players plus Jakob Pertl now looking for time, but you want to develop your bench. So he, he talked about maybe that conundrum of having to do both. You know, like Malachi, Delano, all these guys not playing, you know, like it, it does affect that. We've had those discussions with coach, 
you know, like, and we're very, you know, transparent and open in, in with with these things. It's not, it's not that, you know, um, these these guys need to play, you know, like one way or the other, you know. And I think sometimes they can play, you know, like. But I think coach generally like makes um, um, good decisions for the team and. Um, he'll try his best all the time, you know, like to get uh, these guys uh, time when uh, they can. Everybody has been happy with Christian. He's got minutes. He's a developing guy. He's got minutes here and there. And then sometimes with Delano or Malachi, it's been a little bit inconsistent. So hopefully it gets better. Okay, so preaching development for the rest of the season, playing Malachi, playing Delano more. Where's that been? Exactly. So another another interesting moment where Masai was able to call out a couple things with this team that he wants changed. Well, Development if it, if, and your you know, your play for yourself selfishness that he had mm-hmm. noticed watching the first half of the season. And if they catered the deadline to anyone, it was Nick Nurse, because Nick Nurse is not worried about turning, you know, the eighth overall pick into a potential or a better better odds at a lottery. Mm-hmm. Like that's not what he's interested in he's about trying to win each game and he doesn't like using the bench even though he's been asked and they've had discussions as Masai likes to stay say but they got another rotation piece another starter which bumps everyone down a little bit which means their depth is increased so at least they have that at least they have that Okay, 590-590, as we mentioned, we're going to have Will Lou at 8 a.m. We have Charles Davis at 7, tee up the Super Bowl, which... (laughs) That's on Sunday. And we're going to talk some Leafs news at 7.30. A couple things. Tarasenko also at a New York Rangers blockbuster. It's like, well, pick your lane and NHL trade deadline. They can't have one day where it's just for, like, them, too. This would have been really nice to have next week, but they snuck it in on the NBA trade deadline. But Tarasenko, big trade to the Rangers. The Leafs had Kyle Dubas speak in front of the media for the first time since mm-hmm. November. Lots to unpack from that. And then at 8.30, we're going to do a Super Bowl prop bet extravaganza call-in show with six Sportsnet employees. They're going to call and give us their best pick of the weekend. Then obviously we'll do our favorite pick aside and our best prop bets for Sunday as we tee up the Super Bowl. Um, But one other piece of Toronto-related news that happened yesterday, the Bo Bichette deal became official. Um... $33.6 million guaranteed over the next three years, buying out his remaining arbitration years. Escalators and awards can elevate the deal to as much as $40 million. So he gets an extra little boost based on performance and such, but that is the exact amount. We are kind of in a similar ballpark, I believe, but that's the the official number, Mm. 33.6. An attempt at goodwill, I think, right? We we threw around yep. the goodwill uh, buzzword uh, when we were talking about earlier this week. Feel like you're trying to do the most for Bo that he will allow because I don't think he's going to allow any of his free agent years to be bought up. I think that's pretty clear. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it's hey, this is what we can do that we can make you pretty high paid at least in this in this section of your career compared to other players who've been in similar spots. I think they're doing what they can. I think it's it's great if you can use your money, use it, but. Uh, Again, it doesn't really do much for us in terms of like long-term future, where we stand, where he'll be, uh, even within these three years. Uh, so wait and see on that. 
All right, the Maple Leafs back in action after a very lengthy time off today in Columbus with the uh, with the Raptors at home um, against the Utah Jazz at seven thirty, and then Leafs again tomorrow on a back to back home and home. So Leafs back in action tonight. Raptors, you can send in your wake and rake picks at five ninety five ninety. We'll put together one. Uh, Bo Horvat scored against his former team, and so did Beauvillier. Yeah, should have had that parlay they going. Didn't, they didn't get the memo on the under. I think no. eleven goals in that game. <laughs> I guess everyone just, you know, big revenge game, big revenge spot for everyone to uh, to shine. All right, so 595.90 all day. We'll go through all your messages about the Raptors. We're going to take a break. We're going to do the A-list on the other side on this Friday morning. Sportsnet 590. 590, the fan. Now it's time for hey, yo. the A-list. Bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. All right, the Super Bowl around the corner, so we're getting lots of FaceTime with the Chiefs, with the Eagles, with Patrick Mahomes, Brianna even yesterday. Got to see her zipping around. With said press conferences come some opportunities to ask the hard-hitting questions to the best of the best. And Patrick Mahomes was on the podium yesterday and was asked by a reporter if he had heard what Rihanna had said about him lately. And... Here's the clip and Patrick Mahomes' excited response. Rihanna came out and said that you are the greatest quarterback ever. Hearing that, how does that make you feel? Uh, it, makes me, it makes you feel great. Uh, then, uh, it, she's uh, she's going to crush it at halftime. I have family members that I think are more excited about the halftime show than they are the game. Um, and so uh, whatever Rihanna says is like like the gospel. So I'm glad that she, she went with me for that for that honor. She didn't. She <laughs> oh. didn't. I was just messing around. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got me up here smiling and smirking. <laughs> oh, it's so funny because he gets That's good. You have to see it because he gets so red. Like he's. Oh my God! Like who re- was that? Okay, it's former NFL player Brandon Marshall, who's really? hiding in the back, and Mahomes doesn't really see who it is because you know you've been in. That's really good. And he plays Mahomes, and Mahomes is like a little kid with a crush. Like, oh my God, Rihanna said that about me. And then Brandon Marshall's like, "Hey, just kidding, right?" He's got a podcast called "I Am" or "I Am Athlete" now, and so he's playing with them, whatever. And then Brandon Marshall runs into Rihanna later and he explains the whole thing to her. And she's just like, I can't believe you did that. Like, that's so mean. And she goes, just so you know, I still think you're great, Mahomes. Like, I still think you're great. So anyway, she, she doesn't shut it down and say that he's the best ever, but she gives him a little bit of praise. But Brandon Marshall playing with Patrick Mahomes in front of an entirely packed Super Bowl viewing. Mm-hmm. And now viral because he thought that. Well, the Philadelphia Eagles better hope they can keep Mahomes off balance that that well. Like oh, that's, that's all that's, you got to do. That might be his worst moment of the week. But like, it, I mean, <laughs> it's not that bad, obviously. But like, no media member could do that. Like, obviously, Brandon oh Marshall's a media God, member imagine. now. But only a, a former athlete could do that. That was, one, that was actually really, really good. I, I was expecting it to go that way. Uh, I'm in the background of a leaf scrum. Oh, you'd be kicked out of there. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, um, Mitch Marner. Uh, Justin Bieber said that you're his favorite player. Mm. Like, he likes you more than Matthews. And then I'm like, just kidding. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so lots of trades yesterday in the NBA. And a lot of teams, a lot of players returned home to their former teams. Like, it was just like a rotating cast of suitcases. Scotty Pippen Jr. is now teammates with uh, Malik Beasley. And it's going to be a bit awkward. 
Beasley's traded to the Lakers in this blockbuster deal that sent Russell Westbrook to Utah yesterday. But with but that being said, um, Beasley hmm. famously dated Scotty's mom, Larsa Pippen. Did you know this? Honestly, back the, in the, 2020. Pip, the Pippen family drama, I haven't really, like, I've seen it. I don't even know. I, I feel like there's too many tentacles for for me to even, like, track, which is not necessarily well, this is a, big a good tentacle. thing. Is it only the mother that's in the news, in, in these I, rumor? Is there a sister? Or is it only the mom? No, that's all I know at this point. Okay. But, so only the, mo- only the mother. That's That's a tough situation. Yeah, you think? But she's not making it easy on anyone. No. Let's be honest. It's, she, I mean, this is imagine not, your this mother is dated one situation. of your teammates. Exactly, it's awful. It's really bad. And they they had like a big falling out as well. Like, um, I guess she put him on blast on an Instagram story once about his like baby mama and anyway all this stuff. So it's not like a, a nice happy no. reunion. No, between this these isn't two. like oh your mom. It's that's my mom, dude. That's how it is. And so uh, a lot of things to look forward to this NBA season, like those two getting along. The NBA does drama like no other. They sure do. Um, One last one for you here. The Yukon Huskies have pretty much an iconic last couple, I don't know, dominant force in women's college basketball for, I don't know, my whole life, (laughs) feels like. Mm -hmm. Um, They have now lost... Back-to-back contests for the first time since 1993. Wow. Can you imagine being that dominant? You haven't lost back-to-back games since 1993. I wasn't even born. That's a privileged sport, uh, fan base if I've ever seen one. And so there's a, a really good article, a good list of things that have happened since the Yukon Huskies lost back-to-back games. Michael Jordan retired, unretired, retired again, and returned, and then unretired. Then retired again, you mean? And then retired and then retired. Right, yes. right, right. Okay, right. Yeah. Google was founded. Y2K happened. 9-11 happened. iTunes was created. Northern Ireland established their own government. <laughs> okay. Like, the first Harry Potter book... A lot of big stuff. ...was released. This has all happened since UConn won, lost back-to-back games. Wow. Pretty incredible. That is pretty incredible. And that just gets me excited for March Madness, which you know is what, around the corner. You know what else is incredible? That you didn't have Kirk Cousins on your A-list today. Did you see Kirk Cousins last night? What about him? Oh, the singing. He sang with Kelly Clarkson. I thought that was for sure going to be on it. The problem is, so did like half that team. And I had to go through and try to find out like which ones were the best. The problem. mean so did half the team? A lot of players got up and sung yesterday. Oh, I didn't see that. I just heard the. It was like a thing that was happening at the awards. There's a a couple singing performances and I actually listened to them, but I was going to play them. You kind of have to see the subtitles, what they're saying. It's not as like. Easy to hear it. Don't worry. Maybe I'll play it later. I'm not criticizing. Your analyst was really good. Thanks. Good items but on the there analyst. are some really good um, clips from that as well yesterday with the award show. We can round up the awards think, after Charles Davis. I think Davis. the NHL should take notes. If you're going to do comedy with players. Make them sing? No, put them with someone who could actually oh, carry. Kelly Clarkson helps. <laughs> Kelly Clarkson definitely carried that It was fun. It was And creative. it was not that bad. It was fun and creative. But uh, yeah, a couple of players got up and sung. Um I guess their own renditions of some Kelly Clarkson songs. So take a look at that. All right, we're going to take a break because we got our favorite guest on a Friday. It's Charles Davis, and I hope it's not the last time we hear Might from him. Might be the last ride, Ailish. Prepare yourself. Okay, we'll do our best. Charles Davis on the other side of the break on the Fan Morning Show, Justin and Ailish.